0: We are back from the Thanksgiving holiday. Is episode 112 of Thoughts from the Shade? We have a call into the spot in the shade line. We'll catch up on the Eagles after two big wins, and the San Francisco Forty Winers are coming to town. We'll get to tweet of the week, talk some college football, maybe a little Flyers, and we'll wrap the show with our picks. Welcome everybody back to another episode of Thoughts from the Shade. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, a nice extended weekend, and enjoyed another stressful um, but ultimately successful Eagles game on Sunday, uh, a week off. We appreciate everybody sticking with us through the holiday and uh, I guess we we just got to get right to it Bob we gotta get back on the horse it's good to be back in the saddle but how was your Thanksgiving how are you tonight my friend
1: other than the uh the company at Thanksgiving great holiday you know what wow I
0: mean? we're <laughs> that's how we're gonna start this episode uh, huh well it's a joke because you were there but
1: yeah great great holiday <laughs> great great to be there great to chop it up with the fam but this is it man you come out of the come out of the uh you know, the fall, the, the clocks change. They get you to Thanksgiving. It's time to lock in, folks. I'm sorry. It's time to lock in.
0: It's time to literally lock yourself in your house. I don't know if you stepped outside the last couple of days, but it is disgusting outside. It is freezing cold. The wind is blowing. Uh, it's awful. But we had good enough weather last Wednesday, Bomb, to play some golf uh, with some good friends, some fans of the show. Uh, down at five ponds in Warminster for, uh, I I would say, unofficially, it might be like the ninth or 10th uh, cold beer open, the CBO. Uh, a, a, any thoughts on, on the CBO and the time that was had? I thought it was a good time.
1: Quality event, great time, great guys, you know, a couple cold ones flowing, a lot of camaraderie, you know, busting balls, the whole thing, talking sports. You, you just can't beat it. You know, you get bludgeoned to death with – you know, the family stuff on Thanksgiving, you know, you, sometimes you get invited to, uh, you know, Friendsgiving because your significant others get friends and that's not what you want to do. Of course, you want to, you know, hit the links with some fellas, throw some cold ones back on a, on a day off and and just gear up for Thanksgiving. So I can't say enough about the CBO. I think there's got to be a commish. Is the commish crit? Because there's got to be. I think next year we need a commish. You know, a guy who sends out the alerts. I mean, it's just such a dynamic event.
0: Yeah, I think Critty was the unofficial commish. Uh, the other unofficial commish uh, was MIA. Uh, said he was under the weather. There was also some talk that he had too much fun the previous weekend at maybe a, a Friendsgiving. Uh, but, yeah, CBO, great event, great tradition. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We'll look to continue that next year, and I'll look to defend my crown as uh my team won, won the scramble out of the the four teams we had. So maybe next year we'll extend the crowd, extend the, the list. And, you know, maybe, maybe a little, maybe we'll put it on TFTS might, might have to put on the CBO really, really open it up. I like that. We got, we got 360 days to think about it or 359. Um, Yeah. I'll get, I'll, I'll get right to work on that, but let's get right to it. Uh, Like I mentioned at the top, we did have a call into the spot in the Shade Line, 215-385-5164, whatever you got every week. Leave a voicemail. We'll play it on the show and respond. Let's kick it off.
2: What's going on, guys? I just wanted to say, first and foremost, what a great win by the Eagles uh, Sunday afternoon against the Bills. Showed a lot of adversity. Uh, a fight against adversity, and found a way to win. That's what everyone keeps saying this year. We found a way. We keep finding a way to win. The Philadelphia Eagles posted a, uh, a meme on their Instagram after the game, you know, the, the, the timeline of the game, the game starts, and then the entirety of the timeline of the game is, this is so stressful, and then at the end it says, well, nice, we won. And I can't, I can't 100% uh, validate this but I'm pretty sure that those that meme is being put on a T-shirt and sold to the fans by either the Eagles shop or you know, some sort of third-party Eagles uh, merch shop. By the way, this shirt is being sold to the people. This is what we're embracing. This horrendous football. This team is so good, it's almost hard to believe every game has been this close. Um, you know, we're going to keep finding a way to win until we don't. And that might be the biggest game of the year when this nonsensical play calling, foolish turnovers, and overall stupid football is going to bite this team in the ass. So, yeah, I'm thrilled we won the game. I really am. 10-1. and one. Every win that gets us closer to that NFC uh, clinch, that, that, that buy, it's huge. So don't get me twisted. I'm very happy about the win, but we got to start putting teams away. We got to start putting teams in the rearview mirror in the first half. We can't keep coming into half, down 15, 17, and then when we win the game, it's all hunky-dory. We found a way. One of these days, someone's going to be hungrier and smarter, and they're not going to let us find a way to win. So, please, that's all I'm asking this Eagles team to do is clean it up. They are good enough to win the Super Bowl. They're better than every team in this league. But the play calling is a problem, and it's something that is going to bite us if we don't figure it out. It's just like last year. That special teams, it was nagging. It was a nagging issue. It's going to be a problem. And in the Super Bowl, it, it almost pretty much loses us the game. So let's clean up these problems while we still can and not put, let's find a way to win on t shirts. This is not the way this team should be winning. Have a good day, fellas, and I hope you had a great Thanksgiving.
0: Not the way this team. Should be winning. I think it's. I think it's a good, good kind of call to lead this show. There's a lot, lot to unpack there, Bob. I mean, what? I'll, I'll turn it over to you to start. I guess. I
1: mean, have you ever heard a Philadelphia f- sports fan talk about a preferred and a non-preferred way to win? I mean, this is this is uncharted territory, folks.
0: We're uh, we've been spoiled the last couple of years because of all all the winning, so. I know we we've done it on the show, people out on the internet and on other media platforms are doing it and trying to trying to tear this thing down, but at the end of the day, you just you just got to win. That's did you go want to know? Like that's all, all that really matters. Um, but I think what's interesting is that meme that he referenced and I, I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, I've seen it. But it's like the, the timeline and like the first little timeline is like excited to sit down and watch the game and then like the next thing is like oh my god like I'm so stressed out or I'm gonna kill myself or whatever and then like the end's like nice we won uh I don't know that I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles are making that a shirt I'm sure somebody is I don't think it's the actual team Ruben, but Ruben the got Eagles- his
1: claws in on it <laughs> 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 that
0: that 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 wouldn't surprise me but the Philadelphia Eagles Instagram account did post the meme. Like they went as far to to post the meme from the official Eagles account, um, which I th- it it is it is a little tough to embrace that. I I don't disagree. When the last two weeks, the first halves we've watched against Kansas City and Buffalo have been absolutely horrific. And the other point that that this caller made that I think is pretty interesting is how. You know, we we play like shit for a half, and then and then we turn it on in the second half. Well, that's like kind of the opposite of last year, right? Like last year, we came out, we put teams away early, and then we just kind of stepped on their throat in the run game and, and grinded it out. And lately, at least, and most of this year, it's it's been the opposite. Uh, but I, were were we complaining about the second half last year? Maybe a little bit, but I mean, when you when you are ten and one and you just continue to pile up the W's, uh, it's it's hard to critique it's hard to be upset I don't think that this call is is totally invalid and you're right you know some of the mistakes penalties uh poor series quick three and outs like those things might catch up to you in the playoffs or a Super Bowl uh, but this team is good enough to win the Super Bowl and everybody knows they haven't played their best all the guys in that room know that they haven't played their best complete football game yet and they're continue to work continuing to work to do that so I hear it um, it's an interesting take, but ten and one, man. That's that's all I'm worried about and getting get to eleven and one on Sunday.
1: Here's my take on that call, and it's um it's twofold. First, I think we can all agree that the offensive creativity, the offensive play calling, the offensive flow is not the same under Brian Johnson as it was under Shane Stike, and I think we can all agree to that. And I'll go so far as to say hit the callers. Comparison to the the punt game and the special teams issue, rearing its ugly head in the biggest game is a very valid comp to Brian Johnson, his game planning, his play calling. I just... You, you're not going to be able to win a Super Bowl playing one half. Um, But all those things said, I look for themes, right? And at the end of the day, we have a quarterback, and you and I have said this for years. Like, we've been Hurts guys since... He trotted on the field at Green Bay and then started at New Orleans and Wentz wind. And you know, remember New Orleans? Oh, they're one of the they're the number one defense. Fucking won that game on a short week. I think it was a Thursday night game. Um I look for themes. And last year, all I ever heard from anybody was This schedule's so easy. We don't know if Jalen can lead us back from a from a deficit. He's never led us back from a deficit. Now this year. What I'm hearing from people, the gauntlet, the gauntlet and Jalen is leading us back. I think it's like eight or 10 straight games where they've been down by double digits. He leads us to a victory and now all of a sudden there's there are people out there that are saying, well, why aren't we getting up on these teams? Well, it it can't be both. It can't be last year we got up and uh, because it was an easy schedule and this year we fall behind, but we're not happy we're ahead when we're playing the gauntlet. So I'm not the gauntlet guy. I told you we'd be 5-1 and one through this stretch. Looks like it could be 6-0. and oh. But I think, in my mind, what am I looking at? I'm looking at a Jalen Hurts that looks a little more mobile this past week, looks a little more uh, – uh, uh, his cuts look, look quicker, stronger up the field. The knee looks like it's getting healthier. I look at a guy whose passing game is coming into – Uh, I think another stratosphere here in this in this these last few games especially in the second half of Buffalo I look at Smitty who's getting hot and I look at the fact that all those guys in the defensive secondary got reps early on in the season I I thought Bradbury had a nice game yesterday starting to step it up so I I think there's a lot of things to really be happy about with this football team but I, I agree with the caller I mean the offensive staff, the offensive play calling, the personnel has to be figured out. I, I I've seen enough of Kenny Gainwell. I'm sorry, like, and, and I get, you know, you, you don't want to run DeAndre twenty times a game every regular season game. Like, I, I, I get that. At this point, I'd rather see Boston Scott. At this point, I'd rather see Rashad Penny. Um, I, I've had enough uh, of Kenny Gainwell and his antics. But it just seems like they, they try to. Force feed, guys. There's no flow. And then, oh, shit, we're down by 10. Time to put DeAndre in. Time to run the rock. Oh, throw it to Smitty. All of a sudden, we're back in the game and we're leading. Like, shocker. No shit.
0: Yeah, it's remarkable how, like I said, the last two weeks it's taken a half and one like failed drive in the third quarter to to finally be like, hey, let's let's pound it to Swift behind Malata and Dickerson and Kelsey and then let's let's work off of that in, in the passing game. Like I don't understand what, what the game plan is in the first half, but you talk about Jalen Hurts. The guy's unbelievable. Um I think his passer rating when trailing this year is like perfect. Like I think it's like one thirty eight point seven uh, I don't know if that's the perfect passer rating, but it's very one fifty eight
1: point three. But it's ten tuddies, no picks. I mean, when teams yeah. are playing you for the pass, I mean, it's unbelievable.
0: Right? It, it, it's it's close to perfect, and it's it's way better than anybody in the league right now. It's it's historic. Um, I've I've seen some some tweets and some some graphics and info posted that like the only guys that do this are Tom Brady and, and somebody else. Like what he's doing is unbelievable. So yeah, last year. It was the schedule, right? It was light, and they beat up on everybody and then let them back in the second half. And then this year was, oh, well, the Eagles might regress this year because the schedule's so difficult, and we have this six-game gauntlet. Um, and now that now that we're torsion through the gauntlet, whether it's pretty, whether it's not, uh, they, they continue to win. And now, now everybody wants to say, not everybody. I don't want to say everybody because I think a lot of the, the mainstream media people are actually kind of turning it, turning their heads and say, wow, like this Jalen hurts guy. When they fall behind, like no questions asked, he's going to get it done. But a lot of people I've seen are now saying it's luck. The, the Eagles continue to luck into the, <laughs> into these wins. And like, think about Sunday, um, with the bills, right? And Jim Nance and Tony Romo, they tee it up at the top of the broadcast. Oh, these Buffalo Bills, they're six and five. They've lost every game they've lost by one score or less. And then you look at this Eagles team that, are they really 10-1? and Like, maybe they could be six and four or six and five or whatever, or nine and one, whatever, you know, whatever the math is. They're they're trying to talk the Eagles down and talk the Buffalo Bills up when the Bills have lost to some horrific teams this year. Uh, So... Yeah, it's interesting. So now, now it's it's luck, and they're, they're the luckiest 10-1 team in history. Um, so whatever the year is, the the Eagles, Jalen Hurts continues to lead this team. They get it done in, in every which way. Uh, and some people are coming around, and some people will, will always find something to point to. Um, but for us fans, like at the end of the day, what's the scoreboard say when there's no time left on the clock on Sunday?
1: Yeah, and what's what's everyone going to say son, Sunday night when I I I I think my personal opinion is if Lane Johnson plays this game, I th- I think it could be a biblical beatdown. I, I think this could be like a twenty point win, and they they're they I, I think they're going to turn Purdy over. I mean, I I like you want to talk about themes? I was just talking about themes. G, the fact that Desai – so that that play in overtime where everybody says, oh, Gabe Davis ran the wrong route and. He was open, and that would have been a touchdown. No, 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 no. He brought the fucking Desai brought the fucking house, and he forced the ball out of Allen's hand. You could talk about a miscommunication all you want, but obviously he let go of the ball before he wanted. I see a, a defense that it, that in my mind is more willing to to live by the sword, die by the sword of the blitz versus the JG death by a thousand paper cuts. I think they're going to go in there and light up Brock Purdy. I am so fired up for this game. You wouldn't even believe it because it's it's going to if they win this game and if they win this game going away as a fucking home dog, unprecedented, unprecedented home dog with this record. It, it's going to shut everybody up, and I, I just can't wait to see Jalen sitting at the podium. Uh, yeah, we we won thirty to ten, but we didn't play to the standard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That 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 would be special. That would be special. Yeah, the the luck thing, and and they missed this play, and the the Chiefs dropped all these balls. Like, look at what Sean Desai's done. His defense pitched a, a shutout against the great Andy Reid, the great Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey pitched a shutout. Do you luck into a shutout in Arrowhead Stadium in primetime? I don't think so. Did they drop some balls? Sure, but you're going to call that luck? Uh, and then he dot up the blitz on the Davis play. Uh, and then, like, the other thing I think about is whether you whether you want to call, like, that Bills play lack of execution, right? Like, Romo's giving you, well, he should have turned in and he should have turned out. He doesn't know what's going on. But, like, this, the Eagles offense is, has been hampered for the first half of each of these last two games by the play calling, by, by, by the game plan and the, the, the play calling. And even in the Chiefs game... Bradley Roby punches that ball out, probably a game-saving play. The Eagles come out and throw, like, three bubble screens or two bubble screens and some other shit play and punt it right back down the field. And they still overcome all of this bullshit. So, like, you you can talk about luck, but, like, they're not getting helped by their own coaching and, and, their, and their staff for half of these games. And they still come out and win. Like, if they can... If they, if they can get it right they will blow everybody out because then back to the caller caller said this team's better than everybody they're good enough to win the Super Bowl both both of those things are are true
1: we talk about it all the time when you see when you flip on other teams and you see guys running wide open just schematically there's some sort of a rub route or there's you know a high low and a, and a go route and then a post and then it's single high and you're running away from the safe like the, you turn on any NFL game there's bad defense all over the field. There's guys running wide open. There's guys schemed wide open. Like we say it all the time, we, we never see that. I just see guys literally winning one-on-one, whether it's Devontae Smith, whether it's A.J. Brown, Alameda um, Zaccheaus with an unbelievable catch, unbelievable play on third and long. So you're right, they're not getting any help from their offensive coaching staff. I don't think their personnel is perfect. Granted, I you know, like I mentioned, it's... You're not going to run these guys ragged in the regular season, but it almost feels like they're playing with one arm behind their back, based on the play calling. And then they're like, "Oh shit, we're down ten. T- time to turn it on. T- time to time to play."
0: <laughs> yeah, do they like turn off BJ's headset to Hertz a- after halftime or when when they get down ten? Um, and, and that that's the other thing, right? Like I watching watching all these games all year, I would even say, as frustrating as some of the first halves has been, as frustrating as, as some of the offensive sequences has been, aside from Monday night against the Chiefs, I I, I went on Instagram live at halftime of that game because so I was disgusted, Don't and know. I was like, this is a loss. You were texting me. You, you felt like it was a loss, like we might get blown out, and that's fair to feel the way the first half of that game went. Yeah. Aside from that, when you watch this team play, you just wait for them to turn it on and wait for them to win. Like like Sunday, you're, it's Josh Allen. You know he's going to turn the ball over. You know he's going to make a boneheaded play, and he, and he played a pretty great game. I'll give, give him credit, a lot of good scrambles and dodging blank and shit to get in for that touchdown and stuff. Like Josh Allen is is a good player. I don't think he's a great player because he turns the ball over uh, and, and blows games in, in, in that way. So you you just sit and you just wait, wait for them to win.
1: And there's always a moment where, like, if they're down and you see like a dynamic play, you're like, "Oh shit!" So we're just gonna win this game. Like we saw it with the Roby punch out on Kelsey in the red zone. We saw it with uh, Bradbury's pick on Allen. The way he like jumped that route. Like the minute those two things happen, you're like, "Oh shit!" Like this team's winning this game. It's and normally we as a Philadelphia fan, we're on the other side of that. Where like you watch a play and you're like, "Oh god, no." Like, here it comes. Yeah. Here comes the avalanche. The,
0: this is the slow bleed of a loss. Uh, uh, you 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 mentioned uh, Zacchaeus. It was nice to see Quez Watkins back on the sideline to watch his job get taken. Nice to reactivate him for that on, on Sunday.
1: Well, why is that guy still on the – I guess you need a few wide receivers, but I, it's hard to believe why he's on the roster now that we have Julio. and Zacche- I just see a guy like Alameda Zacchaeus who goes out there and plays with grit and plays with tenacity and plays – Gee, that ball that he caught goes up, high points it in traffic. Like, you know, Quez is getting, you know, his arms aren't even getting above his waist. You know, you're, you you got to drop it into a bread basket. Like, the guy has no ability to fight through any type of adversity.
0: <laughs> Dude, the other thing about the Julio Jones thing, like, I, I get it's a, it's a shot in the dark to sign a guy like that who was electric and is probably towards the end of the road and might be, might be chasing a ring. I think he came to the right place, right? But terms of his usage aside from the touchdown he caught a few weeks back they continue to try to feed him on like bubble screens the, the guy's like a tree who really can't run like he used to anymore and, and we're dialing up third and 11 bubble screens to Julio Jones
1: I don't get it I, I, I'd i like to maybe I mean again uh bomb's got the headset on so we're going full John Madden here but with Goddard out can you use them a little bit in like a flex tight end situation and, and work the middle of the field instead of like these bubble screens make no sense. His touchdown was like a nice little post went up and caught it. Can he be that little emergency release valve for, for Hertz? I don't, I don't get the usage of him.
0: No, now it's, it's been a little perplexing, but uh, so, so has a lot of the, the macro stuff uh, across these games, but. Talk about Dallas Goddard. I think he's I think he's still questionable for this week. It's looking like the Dallas game, he'll, he'll definitely be back. Um, but I talked about how Romo and Nance opened the broadcast, but when we got to overtime and the Bills kicked that field goal, Tony Romo, as Jalen Hurts is trotting on the field for the game-winning drive, Tony Romo starts t- talking about, well, you could make the case that You know, maybe the Bills are the better team here. Like, if you look at the point differential across the season, and it's just like so, not only is it ill-timed, but it's just so out in left field. Like, why are we talking about this? You're watching, like, the video that we posted of your commentary on the game-winning play. Like you're watching a historic team, a Super Bowl loser, you know, the Super Bowl hangover. This this team's about to be ten and one. They have a chance to, to go to ten and one and do something that hasn't been done since nineteen ninety one. And we're talking about point differential of a team that fired its offensive coordinator this year, that has a quarterback who could be pretty good but continues to turn the ball over in big spots. Uh they've lost to the Jets. They've lost to to Denver, although Denver is turning it on like and you're sitting here trying to make a case because of point differential, because they blew out the Raiders, uh, and they bl- blew out somebody else who stinks the week before they played the Eagles. Like you're trying to make a case that about who's the better team in this moment before a, a game-winning drive in overtime. Uh, he's he's mixing up word salad all day. He's terrible. I think the whole city of Philadelphia hates him after Sunday. If we didn't hate him enough already. Uh, but but I just wanted to point that out that as we're we're coming on the field for a game winning drive, he's talking about the Bills might be the better team because of point differential. Point point differential.
1: What what, what a clown! How, how's this for a differential? I'll read you a tweet. I got to give a head. I got to give a uh, a hat tip to Ed Werder. You know Ed Ed isn't thought of very kindly around these parts because normally Ed's down in Plano, Texas during the you know. Training camp and down at the star working up the Dallas angle. But I I give Ed his props, man. He does, goes down there, does good work. Here's Ed Werder's tweet after the game (laughs) The Buffalo Bills are the 40th team since the 1970 merger to have 500 yards, 10 third down conversions, and a positive turnover margin in a game. They are the first team to lose in that scenario. Teams were previously thirty nine and entering today.
0: <laughs> Dude, I th- I think oh uh, we we gotta we gotta give a flower. This doesn't need to be long or anything. But how about Jake Elliott fifty nine yarder through the pouring fucking rain with the game on the line? Um, but I think as he was kicking that field goal, I think Buffalo was like minus two thousand or minus three thousand to win the game on the live odds, and, and he boots that through. Um, I don't even know what to liken it to. Like, I know people compared it to like a great Tiger Woods, like historic shot, but to kick that ball 60 yards through the rain and and hit a little cut line drive, like that dude is unbelievable.
1: That's, I think, um, well, he, I think I, I told you like when that kick went, cause I, as great as Jake is, I really thought they did him a disservice with that play calling in that last, um, uh. On those last three plays, they ended up getting backed up. Temple played at the link on Friday, chopped up the field. Then it rained, and you're—I mean, you're in a mud pit. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, "This is ridiculous." You're asking—you're asking this guy to make like a miracle shot, a miracle field goal. And um, you know, the closest thing I can—I can uh, compare it to is like the Vinatieri field goal when they played against Oakland in the snow where they're run, they're ki- trying to kick all the snow out and give him a little landing spot and you know he puts it through and that, that's a hell of a kick but that kick's not 59 yards with distance to spare wind swirling that stadium that wind swirls it's raining it's muddy elliot said it was the hardest kick he's ever he's ever had in his life and he just fucking drills it
0: he's the best man like this this team is so great and you kind of forget about him sometimes, but every time he steps on the field, you're just, you know, it's going in. He's and so even Devont, even Devontae Smith, like they asked him after the game, like, oh, like some guys can't look, and you were watching. He's like, I know. Every time he steps on that field, it's in, man. Like <laughs> so, like he said something silly like that.
1: Is he still calling uh, him Chicken Little? Because I love that nickname for Elliot.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I should have. I, I should have saved the clip. Um but, like, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else on the game or any, any thoughts on Tony, but, like, listening to the broadcast, listening to Tony, it's just disgusting. He's all over the place. Like, the the play on Allen where he might have got horse collared, but the hand wasn't inside and he got the jersey ripped in the front and then the ball doesn't reach the line of scrimmage and Tony's like, well, I don't think this should be intentional grounding. But he didn't say why. The ball doesn't reach the line of scrimmage. Uh, like he's outside of the pocket. I don't think anybody's in the area. Like he, he's just continuing to talk. He's continuing to guess. And you see some of these guys on like this, the, the lesser games and maybe like the B or C squad. And those guys kind of annoy me when they get like, they try to explain the game to you. But like, I give those guys credit because like I, I watch football every week. Right. So that's maybe why those guys rub me the wrong way, but at least they're helping someone that doesn't watch every week or know every nuance of the game so that like maybe a guy that's watching with his wife or his girlfriend, instead of having her ask you like every question, every play, like that's what that guy's for. Like at least that guy's providing some value. Tony Romo is just like wordsmithing and spewing out of his mouth for three and a half hours every Sunday. And it it kind of led me to think about this Carissa Thompson thing. And how she she went on part of my take, and she talked about you know so I have to make up the sideline reports if I don't get the coach at halftime, and it just kind of made me think like these broadcasts overall, like outside of maybe Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, um, and and maybe like Fowler and Herb Street or, or some of the, some of the guys in college, like these broadcasts are are trending south. They're trending south. Uh, they're almost useless, and like people are just. Like, Chris, are just willing to say, like, yeah, like, I just made something up and set it on live TV. Like, between that happening and then watching Roma, I'm just like, man, th- th- this is going way south. It- it's really bad. There's just not much value added from people like this.
1: I I, I personally think in the next, we'll call it four, five, six years... You see it, right, with the college football playoff moving to 12. Like, why did they do that? They did that because of the TV packages and the the dollars being thrown around by ESPN. And, you know, whether it's the NFL, whether it's college football, it seems like it's a major gold rush for all of these networks to get a a package of games. Um, Amazon's in on it, right? So um, I think what you're going to end up seeing is the price tag continues to go up. The cost of, of buying these packages continues to go up. The league is making money hand over fist. The owners are making money hand over fist. Well, what does the network probably have to cut back on, in my opinion? On-air talent. Tony Romo is getting $180 million to act a fucking fool for three hours every Sunday. I'll do it for 180 grand. I'll do it for $200,000. Easy. I'll put in more work. Now I am not going to be able to pr- predict plays, but I'll tell you when a guy's a moron with timeouts or a, you know play calling or. But it, I just, I think that's what you are going to see. You are going to see almost like peak football. The cost of these packages are going to hit a plateau, and the networks going to say, "Well, what, what are we going to do? Hang on, what are we? Well, you got to cut this talent." So, hopefully, over the next few years you're going to see an infusion of either, uh, you know, young hungry talent or, uh, you know, some of these higher cost guys like a Romo getting, getting axed.
0: Yeah. Like just even thinking back to the, to the Philly season and, and T Mac. like just get me a, a play by play guy that wants to call the game and get me a color guy that doesn't want to hog the mic and just wants to provide a little insight. Like, Hey, if you played like this is what, this is what I saw, right? Like, we got to let the game breathe. Nobody wants to let the game breathe anymore. I honestly think if you'd ask people that listen to this show, like if if you and I did a six month uh, or if we did the Tom Brady year to prepare for for broadcasting, like I think the listeners of this show would be like, I think I'd rather listen to Gene Bomb than Tony <laughs> Romo and, and Jim Nance. And, may, and maybe that isn't right to, to Jim Nance, who is a legend, but like. Yeah, it's it, it it's not good, man, and it's it's frustrating because you, you sit there, you watch the game, and you just have he's like a he's like a dog that just he's like your neighbor's dog that just continues to be left outside and barks for hours on end. He
1: yaps, he yaps, and then he nips at your ankles when you walk by it, and it just keeps yapping. Jim could barely get the I know you said it and and I said it in the uh, the video that we put up on Insta, but he could barely get the final call in. <laughs> It's un- it's unbelievable, historic game, overtime game, and spare me all the Josh Allen overtime uh, tears and memes. The guy's a fucking loser.
0: And 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 to cap it off, the guy I was watching the game with on Sunday, he he made a good point. He's like Tony Romo just throws shit at a wall, and just continues to talk, 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 and make all these different points so that like he he can at least get something right, like he can get <laughs> one thing right.
1: That's a good take. I like so, that.
0: Yeah, I I thought that was pretty funny. Um but yeah, follow the show on X at Pod on Instagram at Pod. We'll look forward uh to Sunday, San Francisco bomb. I mean any any thoughts heading into that game? I I always like throughout the week and thinking about the pod. I'm like, we always look back, but do do we do a good enough job of of looking forward and this is this is a huge huge game. It's big for San Fran. The Eagles know it's big for them. Been a lot of smack talk, and Nick Sirianni today knows said he knows how much this means to to this city and our fan base. So I believe you're going down. How are you feeling about this game? Eagles a two and a half point dog at the moment.
1: I mean, I I find that to be totally and utterly disgraceful. Um, I don't think I've been as fired up for a regular season game as as this one. This this might be this might be the most fired up I've ever been for a regular season game
0: I think hang on I think I think you said that like two weeks ago about the chiefs but it's fair it's it's fair it's fair to go
1: to <laughs> one to watch the other to, to go, go to, to. All right. okay all, all, right, right. all right so and and I think the chiefs game rightfully so I mean they pull that out and and um but yeah to go to a game I just think you know these 49ers are jokers debo and we're gonna really get to see what Brock's all about, and they act like Brock Purdy like um, was like struck by a lightning bolt in the game. They're like, "Oh, we didn't have our quarterback. You fucking protected him with a tight end, dickhead." And uh, Shanahan said back in May that he's glad when the schedule came out. This is what this is what rubs me the wrong way. Number one, his wife's not coming because she she's afraid of the Philadelphia fans. Number two, he was quoted as saying, "Yeah, I'm glad we're not playing them week one." Because there was some doubt about whether or not Purdy was going to be available in the beginning of the year. And he said, I'm glad we're playing him later on when we're going to have all our guys. Well, let's fucking go, okay? Let's line him up. Let's blow the whistle. And and I just can't wait to watch this. Debo Samuel can fucking eat shit. Somebody can knock him out. I think they can knock out Purdy. I would go full-blown body bag game on this fucking team if I was associated with... The coaching staff bounties on everybody. I'll pay you all out. It's going to be like New Orleans 2.0. I don't give a fuck if the league finds me. I don't give a shit if you spend me for a year. Body
0: bag game. Body bag game. Yeah. No, it, it, and I I didn't mean to to critique you or anything because it is fair. Like, just the way the schedule's set up, um, the way the season's gone on, like this. This this is the game of the year. I think people are already saying it online and on TV. Like th- this is the regular season game of the year. Uh, it it's going to be electric down there, and uh, yeah, Debo Samuel called called uh, Bradbury trash, and he stood by it this week. Like it's it's so good, and and Hassan Reddick had, had words. After the game Sunday about San Francisco, and he's like, they they do a lot of talking and a lot of wine, and he, and I think he said something along the lines of what you said, like let's line them up, like let, let's just go. So it, it's it's going to be a special game. Uh, it sounds like as of today here Tuesday evening there was a report earlier today that Lane Johnson is feeling good and says he should be ready to go. So I mean Lane Johnson in the lineup, man. Like I I have no no doubts. I, I, I'm shocked the line hasn't flipped. Unless, like, he's just talking and people know that, that that he might still not play. But, like, the disrespect, man, Playing, getting two and a half in, in your own building with probably one of the best home field advantages in football uh, against Brock, baby Brock Purdy. There was a picture of him with his hat on eating like a turkey leg on NBC after they beat the Seahawks late on Thanksgiving. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll post it on the Instagram this week with the link to the episode, but... Like you, you think you think that little little staff of a kid is going to come into the lane and beat the Eagles? Like it's the same story as last year.
1: Same story. And I'm 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 the play I'm most excited to see. And I'm hoping I haven't heard anything. I'm hoping the the big the big guy J D Jordan Davis is is okay after uh, you know getting up the getting up to sixteen seventeen miles per hour in pursuit. Um, I want to see little Brock Purdy throw a bubble screen up to the top of the field over to over to Debo, and I want to see our defensive backs turn it inside. And I want to see little punk 19 Debo, who runs around and thinks he's a tough guy, hybrid running back, receiver, can do it all, Swiss Army knife. I want to see his fucking eyes when Big 90 and 98 Jalen Carter are coming at him 16 miles an hour, 300-plus pounds, and just wallop that fucking guy. That's what I want to see. Cause you can talk a lot of shit online, but I want to see that little fucking bullshit Shanahan bubble screen, the Eagles sniff it out, push it inside, and watch this guy's eyes light up as they as he gets run over by a fucking railroad, railroad car.
0: I can't imagine how, how Davis and Carter are gonna feel sticking their hands in the ground on Sunday. Like and and when, when I when I see that and I, I see the heads come up and they're just in the muck, it, it's gonna be special. But mini buy, right, after Thanksgiving for San Francisco. So How about so, that? How do you like that too? So, yeah, That's bullshit. So, so so Kyle have an extra couple days to work on his first fifteen, right? He they always score on the first drive and We'll see how it goes after that for, for Shanahan. But um, I think I might have an idea as to why San Francisco is favored, Bob. And I think this leads us to your bone to pick this week. So I'll just give you the floor.
1: So this is a bone. While it, while it's a bone that reared its ugly head after the, the Kansas City game, um, I'd say this is a chronic bone. This is an issue that is systemic. It's an issue that I have. Uh, I have a serious bone with this network. ESPN. The question I'll ask is, I know they're affiliated with Disney, but does Mickey Mouse run their analytics department? Okay, so, you know, the Eagles win that game in Kansas City. Great comeback. They find a way to hang on, and they flash, they flash a couple things. The first one being best winning percentage versus winning teams, starting QB since 1950. Jalen Hurts is at 7.50. He's now ahead of Patrick Mahomes. And keep in mind, this is before the Buffalo win. Um, And he's just behind Daryl LaMonica. Second all-time. Minimum 10 starts. And then, you know, uh, here I am. I'm watching the post-game stuff. It's a Monday night game. It's late. Midnight. 1 a.m. I'm up late. I'm still feeling the adrenaline from the game. And what they do is they, they do this sports center out west. And then they start feeding you a load of bullshit. Okay? I think for that West Coast audience. So here's the stat this is after the Eagles beat the chiefs okay they put up a graphic best chance to to reach the Super Bowl number one 49ers 36 percent winning win and loss record seven and three number two Kansas City Chiefs 36 percent win loss record eight and two number three Eagles 31 percent uh win loss record nine and one and the the source they cite is ESPN analytics okay. So I go onto their website and I'm poking around the analytics and the game that they had called out was the impact game of the week. The Eagles versus the chiefs chiefs had a 61% chance of winning that game. The current chance at that time for a one seed for both teams, 50% for the Eagles, 58% for the chiefs with a win in that Monday night game, the Eagles chance for a number one seed goes up to 62%. Chiefs um, go up to 68%. So, a 12-point bump for the Eagles, a 10-point bump for the Chiefs with a win. With a loss, the Chiefs dropped a 45% chance in a number one seed with a loss, and the Eagles dropped to 41%. So I'm chopping the numbers up. Then I pull up the NFC playoff picture. Eagles have a 99% chance of making the playoffs, 78% chance of clinching the division, 50% chance of clinching the bye. Uh, this is, again, before the Chiefs game, and a 27% chance of making the Super Bowl. San Francisco before that game, before that week, 99% chance of making the playoffs, 94% chance of winning their division, a 27% chance of clinching the bye, and yet a 38% chance to make the Super Bowl. So the Eagles have nearly, at the time, a double, a a 2x chance of clinching a bye, but the 49ers hold an 11-point An 11-point, we'll call it, uh, increase over the Eagles in reaching the Super Bowl. So I just, I can't help but look at this stuff and shake my head. So I, you know, as a a guy who works in numbers all day, you know, business world, works, you know, adjacent to analytics guys, works adjacent to data science guys, uh, I thought, you know what, It's, it's, it's not enough to just sit here and bitch on a pod. Um, someone's got to hear it, okay, at ESPN. So I go on their website, and they have a little contact us box, and you can select your subject. And well, who does this? Who is this going to? Is it a complaint? Is it feedback? Oh, yeah. oh, it's feedback, assholes. So here's the subject of the message I sent in to ESPN. Subject line: Your analytics methodology is moronic. Okay, here's what here's what I uh, I sent to these folks. G. And I quote, I want to learn more about your pathetic analytics methodology. You can't pump out propaganda without giving viewers the methodology. The issue I am referencing is related to your insane infatuation and love of San Francisco over Philadelphia. How is it that before Philadelphia's win over Kansas City, your analytics department had Philadelphia with a 50% chance of clinching a buy and San Francisco with a 27% 27 chance of a buy. Prior to the Philadelphia KC game, you projected a 62% chance of clinching a buy with a win by Philadelphia. Then, after a horrifically officiated game, Philadelphia wins the game, and you spit out a nonsense graphic showing that San Francisco and Kansas City Both have a 36% chance of reaching the Super Bowl, while Philadelphia has a 31% chance of reaching the Super Bowl. I'm no mathematician, but if San Francisco has a 60% win probability in the playoffs, but has to play three games to make the Super Bowl, their odds of reaching the Super Bowl are 22%. A 60% win probability across only two games equates to 36%. Based on your moronic calculations shown on SportsCenter, you are attributing not only high single-game win probabilities to San Francisco in the playoffs, but also a virtual 100% probability of clinching the bye, assuming two wins at 60% win probability each. Who the hell signs off on this nonsense? Your on-air talent stinks. But your analytics department is even worse. So here's the email I got back from ESPN. Let me pull it up.
0: Did you you put this in anonymously or did you sign? I signed it and I gave him my email. From Bomb.
1: From Bomb. Gave him the email. Here's the email I got back. Thank you for contacting ESPN fan support. I understand your concern. We value the comments and opinions of our fans. Your comments will be forwarded to the appropriate department for review. <laughs> Gee, I just, I look at it, and I what they do is it, they, they throw up propaganda. They cite ESPN analytics. They don't give you any insight into the methodology. I did the math. It's basic probabilities. And yet they come up with some Fugazi number that tells you that Philadelphia stinks. And I'm tired of it, G.
0: Hopefully, hopefully that person that's forwarding on your message gets it to like Stephen A. Smith. We we need Stephen A. on this case, I think.
1: Stephen A. Stephen A.
0: But well, dude, it's it's uh that it's great work out of you, and it's honestly insulting to people that follow it very closely because like you know your your West Coasters that, that they're getting late at night after Monday Night Football, like they'll they'll look at that and. Bad an eye and be like, oh, San Fran, San, you know, San Fran, San Fran, West Coast, right? Got to pump them up. Um, but it's insulting to people that actually watch and and no, no, maybe no schedules and 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 things of that nature. Um, but you know, you you had sent me the note that you were in contact with ESPN Analytics, and uh, that led me to check out. ESPN's NFL Power Index ratings uh, after the Eagles beat the Bills and this whole week transpired. Uh, and it led me to see that an ESPN's NFL Football Power Index currently the Eagles are the seventh rated team. Uh, the, the, the top rated team San Francisco. The second rated team Dallas. The third rated team the Buffalo Bills at six and six, followed by Baltimore, Kansas City, and Miami, uh, all ahead of the Eagles. So to- total joke show. So,
1: gee, if they win Sunday, the only team ahead of them that they haven't that they haven't beaten is Baltimore.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Come Baltimore, on, and uh, yeah, everybody else is there.
1: What a fucking <laughs> crock of shit,
0: dude! Too too good. So so that's where I think. You know Vegas might be getting this line but I think I think Vegas is a little bit smarter than ESPN I'll give them that um, but you, you had me on this wild goose chase bomb and we, we got to get to some college football talk it's conference championship week uh, we'll have the four college football playoff participants this coming Sunday uh, and I was curious to see college football's power index on ESPN uh, and I think you and, and a number of our fans will, will really get a kick out of this Following the game where Michigan beat Ohio State for the third straight year, your number one team in the college football power index on ESPN, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Oregon. Number four, it's really a shame the committee doesn't select teams for the playoff based off of ESPN's uh, power index because Penn State is your fourth-rated team. Uh, on ESPN, How ahead could they of not Georgia. be,
1: G? they lost to one and two. I mean, those are great losses.
0: Ahead of Georgia, ahead of Bama, ahead of Texas, ahead of the undefeated Florida State Seminoles. <laughs> I it's this. It, 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 it's really it. It is propaganda. It, it's propaganda.
1: That's the issue I have with uh, with the the legacy. You, I mean, t- not we're not a political show, but. Th- Look, look at what they do with elections. Look at what they do with power rankings for uh, sports teams. It's some bozo intern, right, somewhere, that doesn't have a fucking clue, has no clue. They just, I, I think they just use a basic Excel spreadsheet and just pump propaganda. It's literally what it is. They, they won't tell you how they do it. They won't tell you, you know, at least in second grade, Okay, when you got your Dixon Ticonderoga sharpened up and you're doing the math, even if you get the right answer, you know what your teacher does? She deducts points. You didn't show your work. But here I am <laughs> paying 100 bucks a month to watch this bullshit from ESPN. Nobody ever has to show their fucking work.
0: It's valid, man. It's fair. It's fair. Um but yeah, we let's let's get to Kyle up on in light in light of the game, Michigan won. Uh, At the big house, sans Jim Harbaugh. Uh, He served his full suspension as the Wolverines head into the Big Ten Championship this weekend. But this brings me to my tweet or X of the week. Uh, The last time we recorded an episode, bomb, I went off on James Franklin. I went off on the uh, power index rated fourth Nittany Lions. Uh, But former star running back for Ohio State Maurice Claret, took to Twitter, took to X after Ohio State lost for the third straight year to Michigan and he wrote Ryan Day, love you bro, but got to go. This is why you're paid millions. Can't get t- can't get paid 9 million and lose three straight. I'm kind of happy I'm not too connected to the program in these moments. I don't have to be fake cool with anyone. Everyone knows you can't lose three in a row to Michigan. Everyone just isn't going to say it because they still want access to the Woody Hayes Center. No one cares about beating the BS teams we schedule. We play those teams on purpose to have a good record to get to Michigan and into the playoffs. That's part of the program. You don't make $9 and lose to your rival three times in a row. We live in a weird world. Part of coaching is praise and criticism. It comes with the space. The nine, that $9 million salary comes with expectations and judgment. We are all fans. Everyone isn't and won't be so patient. And he said that the school cannot keep justifying the losses to Michigan. Um, so that's, I have to, to tip the cap to Maurice Claret. Uh, it's a little bit different if you're a Penn State fan and, and you've done some some diving after the firing of Jursich and after another two letdowns in the big games this year, little different tone than Penn State alum uh, star LeVar Arrington uh, who came to the defense of Franklin after the, the Michigan loss. So if you're a Penn State fan, I encourage you to, to just YouTube LeVar Arrington on James Franklin. It was a couple weeks ago. Watch him talk about Penn State and then think about Maurice Claret talking about Ohio State. It's it's two different tunes, and, and Claret is clearly the fan and, and the alum uh, of a much more superior program. So uh, I, 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 all I can do is tip the cap to Mo because I wish more people at Penn State felt the way he did.
1: I don't think I've ever heard truer words ever be spoken about, like, a college head coach, like – Clarette just summed it up, man. It's just such a good, such a good line, such a good quote. Like we basically we schedule cupcakes to get to this game, and then win to go to the playoff, and you can't do that. So get the fuck out of here. The difference, I think, with Ohio State and Penn State is, I don't think Penn State fans have enough, um, we'll call it venom, enough acrimony for Michigan and Ohio State. Like, losing to Michigan and Ohio State as a Penn State fan, like, people just, oh, you know, two good teams. We played our best. I got my ice cream. We tailgated, you know, get them next year. Michigan and Ohio State, like, watching that game and seeing the pomp and circumstance and, like, the pure hatred and the venom, like, there's something to that. Like, like you you don't want to get stuffed in a locker by your by your arch nemesis, and yet... I think because they take it so seriously, they're going to be more willing to make a move quicker versus like a Penn State where it's like, oh, we are what we are. We're not really we're not really rivals with these guys. They're just better programs.
0: Yeah. And that's not a good thing. We don't have enough venom to to win, whether it's Ohio State or, or Michigan. Um, you know, we have the talent to, to beat everybody else, but we don't have. We don't have that dog in us, and and I've heard on other shows like, and and other platforms like, oh Penn State, like you know the way they play, like in these games, like they they play scared. Well, who is that a reflection of? It's a reflection of your head coach. So I don't want to go down the whole rabbit hole again. We did that a couple weeks ago, uh, but but I just thought it was very interesting that that's that's the tone coming out of Ohio State world uh, versus what what comes out of Penn State world when when they get. Uh, beat down by by these better teams. Everybody comes to the defense of a guy that that can't coach on game day. Uh, But, dude, I actually was digging this up for the show and went on Maurice Claret's Twitter to get, you know, the feed of the tweets. I had to go get an article that quoted the tweets because he he took the tweets down. I think he got a lot of backlash uh, for those tweets, and then he posted a video and was like, hey, don't take me so seriously. Like, I'm just a fan, right? Uh, But some world that we live in.
1: Sounds like he needed to get into the gym at the Woody Hayes Center. That's what it sounded like. What it sounded like. He probably went to go yeah. swipe his card and do do some uh, treadmill work, maybe a couple bench presses, and the card was beeping red. Delete the tweet. Need- Delete the tweet.
0: Needed Need- to get back on campus. Uh, we have conference championship games this weekend, Bob. I, I personally think, and I think you would agree, I think there are eight teams left uh, that could get in the college football playoff, depending on this weekend's results. They are Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida state, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, and yes, Ohio state, I think could still get in. Um, We have the sec championship between Georgia and Bama big 10 between Michigan and Iowa, a rematch between one of the best games of the year in Washington and Oregon for the PAC 12 Florida state without Jordan. Travis will take on Louisville um, Texas plays Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. So, I mean, what, what are your expectations? Uh, I mean, is, is it going to be a chalky weekend? And, you know, there's a number of scenarios that could play out, um, but just curious to get kind of high-level thoughts.
1: Let's take a conference by conference. At least that's how my brain works. Let's get into the SEC. Um, really a miraculous win this weekend by Bama. Unbelievable you know, throw, catch, etc. cetera, by Jalen Milroe and uh, the wide receiver bond there at the end to stun Auburn. Unbelievable watching the fan reactions. Just such a beautiful thing. So now they go to Atlanta to face the uh, the big dogs, so to speak, literally and figuratively. And as good as Georgia has been and as much as they want to hype this quarterback up um, for Georgia, I, I just does Nick Saban have some sort of defensive trick up his sleeve to slow this team down and and pull an upset? Um, I haven't looked at the line. I'll take a look at it. Um, five and a half. Five and a half. I mean, that's – if you asked me earlier in the year if, if Bama finds a way to get to Atlanta, I mean, you'd have to say you're looking at like eight, nine, ten points. And this team is coming on strong. I know they – you know they struggled at, at Auburn, but that's a rivalry game, and they got the job done. I I kind of think Alabama is going to spring an upset here. Um, in which case, back to your question, I, I think it's Georgia and Bama are in. I think that that's a scenario that it, that can occur. What I don't want to see, and I'll, I'll be interested if you agree or disagree. Now that we go out to the pack to the Pac-12 or whatever we're calling it these days, I don't want to see. You know Oregon win that game, and then you we're we're looking at two bright colored teams. You know potentially getting in.
0: I don't think that'll happen. I think I think if even though Washington's undefeated and it would only be one loss and they they split the the series right with Oregon, I don't think two Pac-12 teams get in. Um, I, I think that's a long shot.
1: So you, you so Washington wins, they're in, and you think if Oregon wins, they're in.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think Pac twelve winners in. Uh SEC winner is obviously in. SEC runner up if it's Georgia. Um, I mean they, they certainly have a, a strong case, but there's a lot lot of other things to to shake out. And Georgia outside of Alabama this week, I mean, what what has their schedule been? So that that'll be an interesting thing to see if if Alabama can pull the upset.
1: I'd be interested, can Louisville spring an upset on on a, a Florida State and would the committee take into consideration the fact that they'd be playing with potentially a backup in the in the playoff? Um obviously if Florida State wins, they're in, but with a loss, I think it gets a little hairy depending upon what happens in front of them. What do you think?
0: If Florida State loses, they're out. I mean they already got they, they got bumped out of the top four last week. They got bumped to five, uh and that they probably won't say it, but I think they did that purposefully um, with the injury to the star quarterback. They're only a two and a half point favorite against Louisville. Uh, Louisville off the loss to Kentucky last week uh, in an, in another rivalry game. So if, if Florida State loses, uh, I think it makes the committee's job like everybody on the committee breathes a sigh of relief if Florida State loses, right? Because what do you do with an undefeated conference champion who doesn't have their 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 best player? You gotta you
1: gotta put them in, yeah.
0: By the resume, you have to put them in. Yeah. But, like, you know they don't want to put them in. You know that for a fact yep. that they don't want to put them in because they'll just they'll just get curb stomped by whoever they play if they get in. Um, Oregon is a nine-and-a-half point favorite over Washington in that rematch. That is a big line, folks.
1: Big line, and does it signal a potential double-digit quasi-blowout? Because then you get in a situation where they can take an Oregon – they can look at Washington and say, Oh, ooh, last you know, they love the data points. Last data point not so good. How does that resume look against Ohio State?
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah, Ohio State can, can certainly get in. Um we didn't mention the big twelve, Texas, Oklahoma State. I think if, if Texas wins, they're in they're a in. pretty they're they're in a pretty good spot. They have the best win of the year, right? At it. Alabama. They have, have so, to be. One lost conference champ with the best win of the year, I think, has to be in. Uh, and OSU's just they're just going to be idle, and they're just going to sit there, and hopefully they luck their way in. Um, I think I think a way that Ohio State can get in is you get a Georgia win. Michigan is obviously going to beat Iowa. We don't even have to talk so let's, about that.
1: Can we, can we stop there for a second? All right. I, well, let's go to the ESPN analytics. They may have a crazy win probability on this game. But if somehow Iowa springs the upset, and, and I, I don't think that will ever happen. I mean, what, what, they, what do they need to score? Probably 30 points to make that happen. If Iowa somehow springs the upset against Michigan, number one, Iowa will have been fucked based off of that fair catch call earlier in the year because they would have been a one-loss Big Ten champ, right, and a chance to go. But putting that aside, what does the committee do with the Big Ten? Do they leave it out altogether? Or do they put in a one-loss Michigan who lost to Iowa? Or do they just say, you know what, eh, Depending upon how that if if they lose if it's not so good if it looks bad somebody gets injured do they go ah oh, you know what Ohio State looked pretty good in that last game tough loss came down in the last drive we'll put them in what do you think
0: dude it's it's so subjective um, I mean I think it's dude th- there's no th- we're talking about something that just can't happen I mean Iowa's I team total over under on Saturday night is six and a half. So Michigan has to score a touchdown and kick an extra point to win that game.
1: You know the last time but, this re- last time this happened was the year Penn State won the Big 10 because you'd have a two-loss Big 10 champ. You'd have in this case two one-loss non-Big 10 champs. And now rather than picking an Ohio State over Penn State like they did back in the day, they have to pick between two one-loss non-champions, dude.
0: Yeah, I th- I think you unless like Iowa blows them out like I think you would still have to give the nod to Michigan but I I'm not saying you'd have to give the nod to them to get in the top 4 um, over like, Ohio State you're saying If Florida yeah over Ohio State like if Florida State loses if if Texas gets shocked right like and there's an opening like you have to put in Michigan you can't put Ohio State in over them Equal. after losing What about two weeks with ago. the
1: overcast and I know I know I get it I get that the suspension has been served Do they put their thumb on the scale. Wow. And say, you know what? Yeah, they won 11 games and lost one, but how many of those were legitimate?
0: I feel like it it could happen. It could happen, right? But I I feel like the I feel like the slap on the wrist and they've they've dusted the hands off of that. Like can they really dive back in? I mean, they they can do whatever they want. We've seen We've seen craziness from from this committee over the years, Um, but I want to go back to Ohio State getting in a Georgia win, a Michigan win because that's very likely. Uh, Your Pac-12 winner, Florida State loses, Texas loses. Your your fourth team is Ohio State, I think.
1: Georgia's in,
0: Michigan, Pac-12 winner. Florida State and Texas lose. Unless they Batman go both, two losses. both
1: Pac-12 teams. But again, if know. Oregon runs this, like, if that game's a blowout, how do you do that?
0: Well, if it's – if Oregon blows Washington out, I think that looks bad. But if it's a close game, then maybe you could say, yeah, Washington beat Oregon and they're in. So you give the nod to Washington if it's a close game. So, like, yeah, I, I, think, I think the game's – I mean, they're all. I wouldn't say they're all games to watch, but like the Pac-12 one will be interesting. I don't think Florida State is game to watch due to due to no quarterback, but the it, the lines two and a half, so it should be close. Um, and the Big 12 game, I don't know if that's one to watch. Texas, a 14 and a half point favorite over Oklahoma State, so it's it's very interesting. But there is a path. There is certainly a path for Ohio State sitting on their thumbs this weekend to get in.
1: Let me ask you this. Texas loses, Bama loses, Florida State loses, Oregon loses. You're looking at undefeated Georgia, undefeated Washington, undefeated Michigan.
0: Who's four? Ohio State's State, your fourth team. I'm not saying that that's my fourth team. Yeah. I'm telling you that's, that's who's in. That's oh, who it would man. be in. Oh, man. Yeah. Like...
1: <laughs> One loss, extra game, Florida State, no QB, it's fucked. They they're, would lose their mind down there.
0: They're going to get fucked. Florida, Florida State is already fucked. Uh, they, they already got bumped out of the top four, like I said at the, at the top of this. Like, the committee, they, they want nothing to do with Florida State.
1: That might be the camel that breaks the – that might be, the, I should say, the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of the ACC. If that happens – the ACC is over. Florida State will bolt. Clemson will bolt. Just a matter of where they're going because Florida State already has a bone to pick with that conference and the cash.
0: There's there's no way Florida State can win and knock it in, is there? I don't think so. Unless Alabama beats Georgia. Then you'd have Georgia-Bama, Michigan, Pac-12 winner, and Florida State. Yeah. So you'd probably, you'd, yeah.
1: What if, what if Bama wins? Oregon wins a close one. Texas wins. Florida State loses. You have a whole bunch of one loss, one loss
2: teams.
0: Yeah. I, you're putting my mind in a pretzel. Um, but it's, it should be interesting. Uh, that, I mean, it will be interesting. So, we'll let everybody use their imagination to come come to what they want to come to with with that uh, th- that deep dive analysis. But I mean, any, any other thoughts on on conference championship weekend and the college football playoff?
1: Nah, just a great weekend. Enjoy it, folks. Enjoy it before we head into the you know, bad brothers, bad, uh, what what is it called? Bad boy mowers bowl, the Gasparilla bowl, the cheese bowl, all the bullshit games. You know what I mean? This is, this is the creme de la creme. Let's, let's, let's enjoy it.
0: And it starts Friday night. Oregon, Washington is, uh, is Friday night. So that'll, that'll be a nice, nice appetizer. Uh, even though it is one of the main courses, it'll be a nice appetizer to a weekend Mm -hmm. of football. Um, also got to mention Menard Premium Detailing, uh sponsor in the show. Big thanks to them. Best auto detail service in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, located in Warminster. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com for all of your auto detailing needs. Bomb. speaking of the CBO, we were playing with a guy in a flyers hat, um, and he wanted, he said... When's the Flyers talking to start? We, we've got a Flyers team that's currently third in the Metropolitan Division, uh, albeit they're only a point clear of, of the last you know wild card spot there in the standings. Um, but you know the big thing that they say in the NHL, in the hockey world, Thanksgiving: if you are in the playoff picture, you got a good chance of making it since two th- since the two thousand five two thousand six season. 77% of teams that are in the playoff picture on Thanksgiving Day uh end up making the playoffs. Uh so I have been tuning in. They've got Carolina, the puck is probably dropping. Uh as we speak, Carolina a pretty good team in the East there. Uh but th- they've been enjoyable to watch even in some of the losses. They play very hard. Uh I like I like torts, you know, some people don't like torts. He's too much of a hard-out, old school whatever. Uh, he's got this team playing, as they say in hockey, the right way, and they are. They're playing hard. They're competitive. Uh, they're not getting blown out nine to one on Wednesday night rivalry at MSG. Uh, they're in a lot of these games, even if they they fall behind, they fight back and they battle. Uh, the guys fight. You know, somebody gets laid out, somebody comes in and fights. I like it. Um, but like in terms of the playoffs, and like how should they approach the season? Like this is the thing I like about. The new regime, right? Danny Briere, Keith Jones is the president of Hockey Ops. Um, Keith Jones was on WIP over the weekend, and he said, uh, this was with Mike Sielski and Glenn Macnow, Keith Jones, there will be no short-term deals made just to try to make the playoffs. Any moves we make will be for the benefit of the long-term for us. Um so, I think that's a good message. I think it's the right message. I think it's the right approach. The Flyers are playing well with what they've got. They don't have uh, a team of world beaters. They don't really have any stars. But they play well as a team. And they're you know enjoyable to sit down on a Tuesday or Wednesday night when there's no football on to watch. Um, but the older regimes, they, they would see this start and be like, oh, we got to make a move. Let's trade for Vinny LeCavier, who's 40 years old, and Tampa Bay doesn't want him even though he spent his whole career there. So I think it's the right approach. If, if they continue to play like this and I know the analytics people and, and and the eye test people, they're all, wow, the flyers, you know, they're, they're good in analytics. They look good. Um, I don't know if it's sustainable with, 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 what they've got. And if it is, and they can make the playoffs great, but the, the guys that are playing well, that have value that you don't want to keep around for the long term, still trade them at the deadline. You're, you're, You're not winning the cup. They're not winning the cup. They won five in a row a couple weeks ago, lost a couple tough ones to the Rangers and the Islanders, and they come back and beat the Islanders, and they got Carolina tonight. So they're playing hard. They're playing well, uh, and management is giving you the right message and I think has the correct approach. This is going to take time. There's guys they've drafted. There's guys to draft, um, and you don't need to full-out tank there's no tanking. There's no intentional losing. That's not how you build a culture. You build a culture by playing hard, and, and they're winning uh, with what they've got, and they've got reinforcements on the way, and they're getting younger. I think it's all good. But as in, in terms of this year, play it out. Sell what has value, e- even if you're in the playoff picture, and uh, just keep looking to the future. That's really what I've got on the Flyers.
1: Yeah, and if you want to go get a, a rent, rent a veteran, um to make a playoff push, what does that normally cost you? I mean, in my opinion, it normally costs like young, unproven talent and and prospects, right? And like, in my opinion, yeah, or, what's that?
0: Or a valuable pick, like, a, you know, exactly. a, a first, second, third round pick.
1: So my, my take on that is it's the right approach. It's a little bit like baseball where a lot of these guys are like, you know, lottery tickets. And yeah, you can go get a proven guy where you know what you got um i don't you know this team isn't in the in the situation where they're a piece away so in my opinion it's better to just cash the lottery tickets and see who's good and who can step up and the longer this team keeps playing well you're going to learn a lot about the younger guys too just like their ability to grind their ability to play through a longer season their, their ability to play through adversity their ability to play when the games matter i think that stuff's important um so that's how, in my opinion, that's how you build a winning franchise is let your young youth, you know, go out there and prove it until they can until they can, you, they've proven they, they're not the guy.
0: Yeah. Or, or in, in three months, get their teeth kicked in and, and miss the playoffs. Right. And go, go through that experience. Exactly. And, and learn that way, because it's, it's not about this year. And that's been the message from Briere and Jones since since they took over in the springtime or early summer. Uh, it's about building a team that can compete every year and I think that's what everybody wants to see unfortunately that takes time this is not the year to see it but i, I I'm not saying don't watch the flyers don't you know cheer cheer for them because again go back to the process and, and the tanking and that that didn't set a good culture so I, I think I think good things are happening I think good things are coming down the pike uh, it's just not this year and if they if they get in and they, they the young guys experience, the playoffs and you're rolling with with young guys that are playing in these big spots like that's all gravy man all, all everything that's happening right now with the Flyers is gravy
1: agreed and I think it's great I mean um obviously Jonesy's an ex-player Briere's an ex-player but it's kind of a minor thing and I think I've mentioned this in passing uh in the past but like for Jonesy to have been in the city for so long and be like a part of like the media and, you know, on the radio during like the Eagles big ascent and the way they've just kind of like retooled in my opinion can only help because he's got a great blueprint on how to do it. I know it's a different sport, but you know, you do that by being really shrewd, managing your contracts appropriately, not mortgaging your future, building young talent, having great development, awesome coaching analytics. And, uh, Although, although Jonesy's a hockey guy, I mean, can't, can't dispute that. He knows the game, he knows the sport, he's played the sport, he's been around the sport. I think having that exposure to the way some of these other franchises in this city have done it, some have been successful, some have not. And um, I think that's an important thing, and I think it's a great thing to have a guy like Jonesy pulling the strings.
0: Just not ESPN analytics, right?
1: No, 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 <laughs> of course not.
0: And his experience as a broadcaster, working work a lot of national games, he's he mentioned when he took over as president of hockey ops, like he's talked to a lot of uh, managers across the NHL and have picked their brains and everything like that. So I think uh, I think the Flyers, for once, now have competent leadership.
1: I agree. I totally agree, dude. How much of life? How much of like your job? How much of you know your business? How much of your franchise success? just comes down to having competent leadership with some strategic vision. It, it's it's so simple, but yet you look at these franchises, no matter what sport it is, look down in Washington. Same thing is happening as what happened with the Sixers. Josh Harris hasn't even been there in a minute. We're firing the defensive coordinator. Uh, we're, we're throwing the ball 50 times a game. It all comes down to having competent leadership Leaders with a strategic vision. That's it.
0: And some players that that want to work, that want to play. Agreed. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on the fly guys as they continue to uh, to cruise through the eighty-two game schedule. That'll bring us to the last portion of the episode. It's been a healthy one. We're making up for lost time. Last week, bomb uh, picks. Picks have been good and picks are brought to you by the sharps app, uh, the free transparent sports betting community, link your sports books and share your verified bets and stats with the world. And with me and bomb, uh, download the app today on iOS and on Android and throw your boys G and bomb a follow on the sharps app at TFTS pod G and TFTS pod bomb. Uh, no picks last week we didn't do any on the socials um we had a rare losing week from episode 111 bomb you saved us with the eagles pick over the chiefs uh but still been a great year i'm sitting at 14 and 9 bomb at 16 and 7 and i will start with college football conference championship week uh if you couldn't tell by yo
1: i'm sorry to break in we have breaking news
0: breaking news okay
1: We have breaking news, and we'll let you get back to your pick briefly. Florida State has now joined Georgia, Michigan, and Washington in the college football playoff top four. Wow. Georgia's at one. Michigan moves up to number two. Washington is now at three. And at number four, the Florida State Seminoles.
0: Yeah, so if they win, they're in. If they win, they're in. It's funny that you say that, Bob, because I was looking at last week's rankings when I was making notes for the show, and my top four right now is UGA, UM, Michigan, uh, Washington, and then Florida State. So, yeah, Ohio State falling out, obviously, bumps Florida State into that picture. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) going to be a spicy weekend of college ball. And that's, uh, that's where the picks will start. And if you couldn't tell from my comments uh, in that segment, I'm taking the Michigan Wolverines. Minus 23. Uh, Iowa, the Big Ten West, is atrocious. Everybody talks about how great Iowa's defense is. Uh, well, they made Drew Aller and, and James Franklin and, and the fired Mike Yurcich uh, look like the, the Tom Brady Patriots when he was... Dumping it off to Edelman and dumping one off to Gronk and hitting a bomb to Randy Moss. That that was what the Penn State offense did to Iowa in September. Uh, So I don't think Michigan will struggle to put up points here. I don't think Michigan will have a letdown or a come down from the big emotional win against Ohio State. I think this team is locked in. They know they've come up short in the playoff the last two years. Um, They will be ready to play. And just... Do yourself a favor. You know, if you need to laugh, if you're having a bad day, look up Iowa's schedule. Look at some of these scores. Okay, this team doesn't score points. They don't give up a lot. Look at the competition. Michigan will blast them on Saturday night. Michigan minus 23.
1: You'd have to think they're going to be fired up with Harbaugh back too. Yes. No letdown in the Big Ten. I love it, G. I'm going to go, uh, go out to the Big 12. You know me. I'm a Texas guy. Been down there, been on campus, been at the frats, been at the at the stadium, been at the games, watched an epic battle of Notre Dame, Texas, double overtime back in 2016, Labor Day weekend. Great trip, phenomenal people, great campus. And for one night, G, when they knocked off Notre Dame, Charlie Strong was riding high, they're 1-0, They lit up the big tower in orange, and Texas was back. I felt it. I was there. I partied into the night with the the local Texas fans. And then it came crashing down, G. And it seems like in every big moment, Texas finds a way to turn into the Clemson of yesteryear. The next... Big game, and I'll give him the Bama win. Great win. But I look across the way to a guy with a mullet. I look across the way to a guy who's got an axe to grind. A guy who uh, is pissed off at Oklahoma. A guy who is pissed off at Texas for jumping to the SEC. He's a brilliant offensive mind. You know he's a motivator. Gee, they're getting 14 and a half points in a conference championship game it's a lot of points where's the money 87% of the cash is on the Texas fucking Longhorns am I living in like an upside down world I'm taking the points I'm taking the pokes I'm taking Mike Gundy I'm 40 I'm a man taking the 14 and a half G but guess what I would not be shocked. I'm going to sprinkle, sprinkle just a little something.
0: little Tommy DeVito sprinkle?
1: little Tommy DeVito sprinkle, break out the Parmesan. It, it, it might even be a sprinkle like that, you know, that new commercial where they say,
0: tell me when, with the,
1: with the, the Parmesan. <laughs> I'm going to be sprinkled so high, I'll be looking like that guy with the Parmesan I'm taking the pokes. I'm going to take the points on the pod, but I'm going to sprinkle on that money line. I just think Texas is going to shit down their leg.
0: I don't I don't I don't hate that at all. I looked at that too. Uh obviously not a big slate this week with just conference championships, but Texas and Oklahoma State did not play during the regular season. Oklahoma State's 9 and 3, and they beat the only team that defeated the Texas Longhorns in Oklahoma, so I like it. I do like it. And uh, we, we, need, we need these games to be close. We need these games to be close um, for, for the drama this weekend. Uh, NFL, I feel like I don't do this often, Bob. I don't do this often. I honestly might pick against the Eagles on this show more than I pick them. Um, but we previewed this game. We talked about this game. We talked about this team. Uh, and they just win. They just win. And for, for Las Vegas, Las Vegas is going to owe San Francisco an apology for making the Philadelphia Eagles underdogs on Sunday. Lane Johnson said today, feeling good, we'll be ready to go. That's all I needed to hear. The Eagles not only will cover the two and a half, we'll do two and a half, for the podcast, the Eagles will continue through the gauntlet to make a statement that they are the elite team in the NFL. Eagles plus two and a half. Bomb will be down there cheering them in. Um, it will it will be a glorious, glorious victory. But for the show's sake, two and a half. But the Eagles win the game.
1: I like it. I like it, G. Um, I'm going to a game. Uh, that not a lot of people want to go to and it's it's a game that not a lot of people want to watch it's a game that's not sexy but I think this is where the money's made this time of year I watched an absolutely putrid performance Sunday night from the LA Chargers Ugh. gee I think I sent you a video of Excel Boy and his little tiny head he's got a very small head I don't know if that went out publicly did that, did that video no, get posted it, publicly?
0: It, it did not, it did not
1: I'm starting to realize why this guy relies on Excel, everybody. Microsoft Excel. It's because his head is about the size of a pin. It's a very small head. And I just happen to think, like, wow, well, let's let's see where they're playing this week. Gee, they're going to New England. A New England team that, that, that just lost on a shanked field goal, which would have tied it, to Tommy DeVito. And the New York Giants in the Meadowlands. I mean, hopefully the chicken parms were flowing. Hopefully the gravy was flowing after the game. Props to Tommy DeVito. But this game looks like a stink fest. LA Chargers laying six points on the road going to New England. It's a one o'clock start. Gee, 92% of the bets are on the Chargers. On the spread. New England looks... Horrible. But all you got to do is this, G. Plug your nose. Plug your nose and take Bill Belichick over XL Boy. Six points. I'm taking the Pats.
0: It's unbelievable that L.A. is favored by six points on the road over anybody right now. Um, I think it's a great pick. It's, it's, it's a one a, o'clock it's,
1: start, too. West Coast team coming east.
0: Yeah, it's an ugly board. Uh, I am still alive in a survivor pool. Um, I've used pretty much all the good teams. Uh, I have the Eagles left, and I think I'm saving them. I was going to use them against the Bills. Uh, I used the Chiefs last week. The games I'm looking at, Steelers hosting the Cardinals, Texans hosting the Broncos, bucks hosting the panthers who fired frank reich and the rams hosting the browns who will likely be quarterbacked by pj walker temple's finest uh so it's you know i'm happy to be deep but man it's ugly now it's really ugly
1: kind of like the browns bro pj walker dude every time that guy plays they're in the game
0: oh uh, I mean the Brown or the Rams are a three and a half point favorite. I I did like the Bucks. I loved the Bucks for Survivor until Carolina fired Frank Reich. Like you, you can't, <laughs> they're you definitely going
1: to score next week.
0: <laughs> fired, fired coach. You cannot pick against a team that just fired their coach. You can't do it.
1: By the way, how funny was that? Not to, not to dovetail, but I sent you the tweet after the game of the Carolina game where the owner the owner comes this is literally the tweet some reporter beat reporter for the Carolina Panthers said David Tepper le- David Tepper's the owner of the Panthers and he, and, he, and this is the tweet David Tepper I'm paraphrasing David Tepper left the locker room and screamed very loudly fuck <laughs> <laughs> and I, I texted it to you and I go can't be long now Frank Reich he's <laughs> out
0: ba- about day. 12 hours later 24 hours later. Yeah.
1: So good. So good.
0: That's great reporting out of that reporter. I love that. Um, yeah. So I, I haven't figured that out. I, you know, I do a little injury report analysis and I don't like the Steelers as a favorite. I really don't like the the Rams. So uh, we'll see. Everybody, wish me luck. Um, but that's it, Bob. We're back. Holiday stretch, home stretch. Enjoy the game Sunday down uh, down at the link against San Francisco. But anything you want to leave the people with?
1: No, buckle up,
0: buckle up, baby. It's gonna be it's gonna be lit. It's gonna be lit, as they say. Uh, but we'll say thanks to everybody for listening. We'll say thank you to Menard Premium Detailing. We'll say thank you to Sharps, and we'll wish everybody a great week. Go birds.